0: Hi everybody and welcome back to the Catch Kate podcast. This week we are on episode number 25 and we are arriving into Santa Cruz Island in the Galapagos. So last week we were in uh, San Cristobal, uh, more on the east coast and Santa Cruz is kind of in the centre of the archipelago so it uh has quite a large human settlement and like a busy port center um i spent the shortest amount of time on this island um just because there was a more like busy feel to it a more hustle and bustle not up in the highlands like the highlands were completely different but just in the center and it is where most tourists arrive in and if you've been listening all along you know that like I would have always tried to avoid tourist areas so but it is an amazing island I'm going to take you through some of the things I discovered there and explored like up in the highlands the El Chato wild tortoise reserve the uh, lava tunnels the Charles Darwin research station which focuses on breeding programs and tortuga bay which you can walk to from um, the main center and there's like uh, black sea turtles there marine iguanas loads of birds and then i also did an island trip out to santa fe so we'll talk about some of those and uh, of course the biodiversity and the adventures and the couch surfing and the marine life and the bird all of it And we'll finish up a bit about um, the current uh, life uh, encounters, like usual. So I'll talk a bit about the growing and the beekeeping and bits about the book and all of that. So a very exciting time. We are end June, so it's actually a really, really, really prominent time for bees, pollinators, uh, nature in general. In the northern hemisphere so uh yeah i hope you all are enjoying the beautiful sun as well uh, we've just had the solstice this week 21st of june and it, it was uh, an amazing day super long and uh, i've been out in the tunnel some nights until you know after 10 <laughs> and i'm like what time is it and i'm like oh my god you know like that wouldn't happen in winter at all so it's amazing how your life changes as the seasons change you know um yeah so to begin i will say a thank you as always to the patrons who are kindly supporting the podcast if you are, appreciate my message and are a regular and would like to support i would really appreciate it and um it's over on patreon.com you can do a once-off or you can do a monthly subscription and yeah it allows me to do this work um, and put value on it and yeah to take time out to record and yeah share the the knowledge and the the environmental awareness and I suppose the environmental impacts we're making and of course share the beauty of the world so um, thank you as always uh, if you are supporting me and uh, also to people who are sharing and um, who have given reviews and even feedback and messages. I love it all and um, it's really helping me and I hope it is helping you as well. Okay guys, let's get going on the adventures. So when I first arrived on to Santa Cruz, I was met by uh, the busyness of it all at the port, Puerto Ayora, And Yeah, it was just kind of coming from the other island. I was like, whoa, people, Um, lots of people. And, you know, coming in on the islands, then you'd have the the sea lions and um, all the pelicans. And uh, I remember observing like the fishmongers kind of market area. And there was all these, yeah, just giant pelicans and different bird species where the fish were kind of thrown out the bits to the birds. And it was like a little bit of chaos, but it was cool and I stayed with uh, a girl one night, a couch surf, and in the end, I actually left there like the next day, and my friend Noelia, if you heard from last week, who I met in the other island, she had been staying up in the Highlands in um, another couch surf host's house. Um, A guy who was super nice, and like ended up like doing like like we ended up on the most amazing day trip with him i'll tell you about it in a minute but uh, on my first day and second day really when i was in the town center i took a walk out to the charles darwin research station which was basically like it works in conservation of the tortoise and if you didn't know like these well they're you know they are in conservation because at one point there was only like like say even on espanola island there was only at one point six species left and now like there's loads i think they ended up putting another 1500 back in so so, uh, there's like you know two types of tortoise the saddleback and the dome shaped and normally like the saddleback it depends like then some will be up in the highlands some will be on the lowlands depending on their like the way their body is adapted so the saddleback can um, reach the cactus fruit and the dome shaped would more be up in the highlands and you can see the pictures online as well it's very vivid uh, the difference you know like one of them can really stretch his neck out to get fruit high up in the uh the trees Um, and yeah and it's amazing like hearing them because they have these heavy footsteps and it's amazing so basically I got to see them in the, the research station like where they're bred and they might even be like three inches long or they might be like four foot long, you know, they go from tiny to huge and very cute to see the progress in their you know, their lifespan. And they live like, you know, average a hundred years, some even a hundred and forty or more, you know. So you can imagine like what they've seen in their life, you know, they're very wise. <laughs> um, but And they move so slow. They move like, like they really move slow. Like, you don't want to get stuck behind one because you'd be there for ages, which happened to me up in the wild. You're stuck behind them for ages. Um, And you don't want to frighten them either because they don't really have any prey. So, um, yeah. Um, Or they don't have any predator, sorry. Like, this, like, so they really just kind of walk around, kind of like, you know. So it's up to the human to protect them, really, uh, from other humans, really. Uh, But, yeah. And they're just amazing because, like, how they've adapted to their environments. Like, they were literally dwindling in numbers and endangered. And now, like, these breeding programs are helping um, them to come back. And, And then there's subspecies within the species. And, like, there was one island, actually, where they had none left. And then in 2019 i think it was floriana if i remember correctly there was no they didn't find there was no tortoise there and then they kept finding like you know tortoise poop basically and like bits of cactus fruit like like bitten off but in the shape of like how a tortoise would bite and they were like there must be tortoise here you know but in the end they found one in 2019 they found one a female and they've taken her to santa cruz where the breeding program is done uh the main one kind of the big one and they're like keeping her there now and they're looking for a male i suppose to see if they can eventually put her back and 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 repopulate the island because each island has uh, a different species and then within that species there might be a subspecies so it's really like it's so unique and and this again was part of like darwin's research of uh, the theory of evolution and how it all like how different species existed in different places and their adaptations to their climates and environments and the vegetation and all of that um yes yeah, so that was really interesting and another thing as well with Darwin like when he left the islands you know he he was there like in 18 something like when he left he actually took a tortoise back with him and like it's in London now in the museum <laughs> which is kind of funny um well it's just weird like to think about how is there a tortoise in England like you know the Galapagos tortoise how is it in the UK anyway human beings (laughs) and as well another funny thing about them is like how amazing they can hold water and food in their bodies and they can like survive up to a year without food or drink like that's insane i just think animals like some animals just their abilities to survive long term is incredible you know and it's across the animal kingdom you see this you know like I remember in college learning about some of the animals in the Arctic and what they can do in their bodies, like produce uh, antifreeze and stuff. It's crazy. Or like even now, like when I'm like studying the bees and the hives and the honeybee, and when I look at their adaptations to the hive and how it must be regulated at a constant temperature, and if it isn't, like things go really bad. So like you'll never see a honeybee out if it's not above 10 degrees or like as well they do something with their body where they can hold their wings steady and they can shake their body like kind of muscles and it vibrates and it cools down um the hive which is class like so like on a really 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 hot day uh like i'm doing it now with the hives like i'll go up in the evening i listen into the hive and you can just hear the whole thing vibrating and you're just like whoa it blows blows your mind like uh, like nature it just fascinates me every day um yeah it's incredible and uh the more i learn the more curious i am <laughs> but yeah it's, it's amazing guys it's really amazing um i love it but anyways so that was the charles darwin research station so definitely go for a visit if you ever get there very interesting. Loads of facts. Loads of scientific research going on. And they're helping to repopulate islands with dwindling numbers. And keep the species, I suppose, populated and, you know, not endangered. Um, so then after, I went up to the Highlands to stay in the other couch surf host's house with Noelia. And it was really lovely. It was really, it was kind of a funny house, really. Because the two of us were sleeping in the kitchen on a bed. <laughs> I was like, is this our bed? Well, it was really funny. Like, the, like... Maybe the next time I'll explain to you where we stayed in the other island. We stayed in like a lava house up in a roof in a tent. It was so funny. But like the places we stayed, like you wouldn't believe it. Like you would have laughed so much. But anyway, we were staying in the kitchen on a bed, like, you know, where you'd make your breakfast. It was kind of funny. And the two of us were there. And um, our host, um, he brought us to the reserve up in the highlands called El Chato, where he actually worked. Um, which is really cool. So he brought us in like kind of as private guests. We, we were so lucky I was like really like private like what and we took off in his truck for the day And the two of us were squished in the truck in the passenger seat And um, I remember at one point like we were like running out of oil like it was a really old truck It was really fun though and we'd stop the truck inside the, the road and we'd fill up oil and then we had to like Like look underneath. I was just so funny. I was like what year are we in are we even like are we able to drive? Um yeah we eventually got to the reserve where you actually can witness wild tortoise and it's amazing like it's cool to see a breeding program and a conservation center but the wild for me is everything you know and it's the way nature should be so it was actually class like he brought us into all these areas which were like no humans uh so absolutely like it's amazing like you know you'd be walking in the forest and then there's just like you might see like a muddy pool and then there might be like 10 tortoises around it Uh, just incredible and then you see the guava tree and they're just like eating the guavas and I'm like oh can I join you (laughs) Uh, super cool and um, then we got to actually walk into these tunnels kind of where they would have been like lava solidified and then on the inside just formed this tunnel like for the, the magma uh, it's really cool like like it's amazing to witness the history of what went on like in the geology and the the ground and everything and uh, just incredible to walk through that and see how Mother Earth formed all these landscapes so amazing um so we did some like little tunnel walks, and some of them are even a kilometer long, so it's actually crazy, cool, it's amazing. And you can even see like barn owls in there and yeah, maybe some finches as well. So that's what we did for our day trip. We walked around the reserve. He educated us about all the tortoise, about like um, distance, about like endangered programs. Um, and yeah, it was just cool to be like, you know, kind of like crawling through the forests and going through like, you know, ditches and and under fences and then like you know just seeing them in the wild just around every corner and no humans was amazing well obviously ourselves but it was amazing and then afterwards we kind of made our way back to trek and he was so kind to us like he did it like all for free just you know we were couch surfing and i was just like wow and like after, like I helped him as well. You know, I said because his daughter wanted to learn English in Ireland, and I kind of gave them contacts. And I said if she ever wants to come, let me know, and I'll help. Da 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 da. Um, but they also produced coffee there. So afterwards, we had a really really amazing lunch and dessert, and we got to like, because um, obviously we were like, himself. <laughs> who kind of was he was kind of like running it or working there uh, I'm trying to remember now was he even the owner maybe <laughs> but we had like the most amazing lunch and like then after we got to like put ourselves into like tortoise shells and like feel the weight of them on top of our back and i just couldn't stop laughing i was like in stitches um cuz some of the tortoise shells i couldn't get into and then some of them were so heavy that it was like falling over myself and i couldn't like i was trying to do a press up it was so funny And then after we bought some coffee, um, I bought like a bag and I knew I was going home like a couple of weeks later, so, you know, and it was nice as well to give back to them, like to buy their coffee and stuff and, um, you know, stuff like that. So uh, support the local people. And it was really nice as well. It came like in a, like, you know, those brown potato bags, kind of, you know, old style traditional, like it came in one of them um, with Galapagos coffee and I brought it home. And yeah, it was so lovely. So when I eventually got home and I was having it at home you know and remembering all the beauty of the the reserve and the yeah just so cool so the rest of the day then he kind of drove us around the highlands and we observed the different like it's really lush and green up there and they have um yeah like it's just so different from the lowlands which is like a bit more arid I suppose and you'd have cactus and all of that and that's the beauty of the Galapagos like it just changes drastically from you know lands from highland to lowland and island to island it's just an incredible place um so we stayed with him a couple of more days and yeah we were just sleeping in the kitchen having a right out laugh so another place we went to on the island was tortuga bay um named after the turtles <laughs> and they have like um like basically you can swim there in the ocean or there's like mangroves there as well and you can kind of um see loads of marine life like marine iguanas and it's a great like nursery for the sharks and the fish there so like the mangroves are really important for that but it's really beautiful like because the ocean is like really light blue and then dark blue and then you have these mangroves which are green and then you have all these marine black marine iguanas just swimming about happy out and you might even spot a shark if you're lucky and then loads of like the a salt lagoon as well where you could maybe see flamingos but I actually didn't see any there I saw them on Isabella though and pelicans and the rest of it um so that was a lovely place and it's about an hour's hike well kind of a walk I suppose from the main town Um, but it's really beautiful and yeah and like when you're swimming like away and you're looking underwater and you just see a marine iguana you're like what? this is crazy what? but um yeah um and then like it was so crazy at one point like uh, I remember when we were at the beach and I was just like oh I'll just go in like here by the the bushes or the trees to change my clothes and I remember going in to change and I looked next to me and there was like a carcass of a big huge tortoise and I was like whoa what's that (laughs) I got a fright like I was like oh my god because it was just so big and like obviously it was dead with some time but I was just like whoa and I called the girls up and I was like look at this look at this but um when you are there like because it is a national park like you're not allowed to really like you should stay in the zones and you know respect the animals and all that because there are guides everywhere and they will like call you out if you are too close to an animal or you know if you're going into an area that is protected and stuff like that you know so always be cautious always be like careful of that and give the animals space and everything but you know this one was obviously dead so um that was okay (laughs) but yeah i didn't expect it but what else? Um, The last thing I kind of did there was the trip out to Santa Fe Island. And that's like a kind of like a day trip. So it's actually an uninhabited island. So there's no human settlement, no infrastructure, nothing. And I guess that's what makes it very special because it's just wildlife and the land, you know. So it keeps it quite unique. And um, yeah and it's the island's like four million years old like it's so old and it wasn't fall fo- it wasn't um formed by any volcanic activity or anything. it was actually more formed like an uplift of uh, land so a lot of them would have been formed f- from volcanic activity and you do find craters and a lot of the islands and even active volcanoes as well but this one yeah so it's quite um we kind of like took a boat out there and we kind of went around the island observing the different kind of uh geological structures and vegetation and bird life and then at one point we got to kind of like pull up and we got to jump off in a few different spots and go into the corals and we kind of snorkeled and a bit of free diving and that was really cool and um yeah and at one point there was a sea lion and he was so friendly and like we were swimming away with him and he was the friendliest sea lion you could ever imagine he was like so playful and he there was only one of them and I remember getting a video with him underwater, and I was like, he's so playful. Whereas the ones like when I was in um, San Cristobal, like they like sometimes they might even chase you or they might even open their kind of mouth or like kind of do that hiss. But this guy was like, he just wanted to play. He was just kept going around in circles and up and down, up and down. Like I was just like, oh, he's so cute. You know, like, you know, like the way like a dolphin go, like the dolphin goes, like he was so playful and really funny as well like you go around one side of the rock and he'd follow you around the other side and then you go around the other side and he'd follow you and he'd go up down up down it was so funny um so that was a really really nice moment and it was cool that we got it on video as well um what else uh yeah and then after the i suppose snorkeling and diving and stuff we got to have a lovely lunch on board and uh, a lot of the time they would do like ceviche uh, fish is a big thing on the islands, um, just cause there's so much stock of fish and it's a big part of their culture as islanders, you know, um, so yeah, so we would have had fish on board and then like watermelons and, you know, avocados, everything from the islands. It's amazing. And, and like, they don't really, like, there is a ship that comes in off the mainland, you know, from Ecuador, like every, like, I can't remember, was it like every four weeks or something, these big, this big ship would come in, like with all the stock, And like when we were even on the islands, they were like, "Ah, sorry, we don't have that. You know, like it's only local stuff, which I really love experiencing because I think when you come back to basics and try to be sufficient, going local is the way to go. And like at times we would have only had, we would have tried, you know, just to have local produce, but it was interesting to see what the shop would look like when the ship, you know, was delayed or couldn't come out, you know, like there'd be no kind of like imported Kind of uh, stock, I suppose. Um, but like the like when we go to the markets, the main things were like you know eggs, cheese, um bananas, bread, um, you know these kind of things that they produce themselves, and then all sorts of fruit and veg. Then you know like papayas, oranges, lemons, avocados, all that stuff as well, and um, yeah, and I loved it. Like I loved that supporting the local and meeting the local farmers at the markets um but yeah it's very like you know when you do eat local like you can still have varied food um it's just uh you realize really how much we depend on you know the imports coming in when you see when you go to like islands like that that are segregated like segregated from the mainland and yeah it's really cool or even myself here when i'm growing like when i'm like in the summer season and i'm like do i need to go to the shop you know there's so much food in the soil and just ready to be eaten and like barely even need to go to the shop really you know so that's quite cool to become your own master of your own food source you know and yeah like as i always say like nature is abundant and like sometimes when i open seed packets i'm like there's like hundreds of seeds or like you know sometimes you're getting like hundreds of seeds off like it's just like you know we're taught to think that like we have to go to shops and we have to get this and we have to buy that but like we can do it all for ourselves and i think once we realize that it's kind of amazing (laughs) um but yeah so those were kind of the main things i done on the islands there as i said I kind of spent the least amount of time in Santa Cruz. And definitely the journey out to Santa Fe was lovely. Um, do you know, just taking a boat out onto the ocean and spending the day at sea, and you're like, oh, this is amazing. Um, but yeah, it was really cool. But let me give you an update on all the um kind of environmental bits. So actually this morning, I did my own inspection here. On the farm in one of the hives and actually did two last week as well and they're getting regular enough because it appears that the honeybee like they're working really fast i think with this dry weather like they're speeding things up so last week like when i checked the hive um so basically right now if you're new to the bee world um the bees are multiplying their colonies um, because the hive is getting so big. So, like, the queen at her peak is laying 2,000 eggs a day, which is massive. And the colony right now could have, like, 50,000 in it. So, like, this morning when I opened it up, I was checking the queen cell, because last week there was a queen cell, which would mean a new queen was arriving, which means the old queen would actually leave the hive. And you kind of want to keep her, because, you know, you don't want to lose half your colony like she'll go and she'll take most of the hive with her plus honey and she'll leave and, and you don't really want to lose her so normally what beekeepers do is they'd split the hives before um, like kind of uh, to prevent the swarm to prevent losing your colony so last week when I checked there was a queen cell so basically a new queen coming in and it was half built kind of you know and then today when I checked I was like, "Uh-oh. So the queen cell was fully capped and it's like ready to go and I found two new queen cells." So now I'm like, "Oh my god. So I'm going to have to like sort that out. Otherwise like like the bees will just keep multiplying and they'll keep swarming, you know, as long as the colony allows and, you know, the survival rate of one swarm is like 80%. Whereas like if it keeps swarming and swarming and swarming. Like you go down to like 20% survival through winter. And like you don't want that. You want to have strong colony. So yeah. So that was really crazy. It was amazing this morning. And like like as I'm on this learning journey of the beekeeper. Like it's really amazing what I'm noticing week on week. And all the study. And it's helping me understand nature as a whole in general. Even more and more. Um, and like pollinators are so important like i always say this they're so important to our food security you know even insects at a base level like our food security is dependent on pollination and the availability of crops um and we need to realize that that the food just doesn't come out of a shop like yeah you can get your biscuits and your crackers all that sort of bits which is intensive agriculture are made in factories but at the base it's like the real food that we need to eat the real stuff that's you know from the sunlight and flowers and like that's coming from pollination you know and um it's so important because in ireland we have like 99 bee species and a third of them are like facing extinction so it's really 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 serious and I don't think people maybe understand how serious it is and like it's I know like this can cause like climate anxiety and all of it but we just need to be aware of it because I do see good things being done you know I'm seeing like lawns being left alone wild meadows wildflower areas and I'm seeing it more and more and more and more and more which is great and there's even more awareness there's so much more awareness you know about it and so I think we are moving we are moving step by step. And kind of fast. Like the awareness is growing so much. So like well done to everybody. Who is doing the jobs around this. And promoting awareness. And calling it out. And um, yeah. It's just so good to see it. But you would be glad to know. The honeybee isn't uh, in decline. However pollinators are. So you know. It's just so important. Um, and yeah. And like just observing in the hive. The amazingness of nature. Like, I'm just, like, wowed every time. Like, watching them come in with their pollen. And, like, watching them, like, you know, transferring nectar. Like, feeding the young... um, I'm j- I am just like, the whole pl- the whole system at play in the hive is fascinating. And like, I was even looking at the different pollen on their hind legs, so they carried on the hind legs. And like, I've seen like this week, like blue pollen, like a wine colored pollen, like really yellow, really orange, like it's so potent. And it's just crazy, like it's amazing. And yeah, I wish for everybody to see this, like it's so incredible. Like look it up on Google, the image is so amazing. Um, and yeah, and just trusting the bee to trust me going into the hive and, you know, trying to like help them in a way, you know, to survive through the winter and, you know, um, but yeah, it's been amazing guys. And also just a little note, um, like, uh, obviously like humans take the honey, but they should only take a certain amount you know, so that the bee, the, bee, the bees produce so much of it that it does allow for that. But, like, you know, beekeepers are told to, like, you know, obviously leave sufficient amount for the bees to survive through winter. Because um, essentially that's their food source to keep them going. Um, but, because as I said earlier, like, they don't come out if it's under 10 degrees, you know. So they stay in the hive and they need that food source so it wouldn't be fair if humans keep taking, take too much honey or something you know and it's so it's such a hard process as well to get you know like the bee goes to like so many flowers in it's lifetime and like I think it's like in one spoon of honey there's like 12,000 flowers pollinated so like it's just like it's m- baffling like it's just mind blowing how the whole thing works and what's happening on the ground level that maybe many of us like this is like a lot of it is quite new to me you know I'm learning it all and it's amazing it's just incredible um but yeah and even watching the bees dance like they do the waggle dance they feed each other like all the females you know doing the work and how they just all work together like how the guards protect the hive you know how the scouts find new homes you know what goes on inside there it's just incredible incredible guys and i actually have a hive now kind of that i can see from my front door so like i look at it like a lot morning noon and night <laughs> um but it's amazing like i'm always on it i'm like just staring at it i'm like what are they doing now you know and last night they were even foraging until like so yeah they forager bees as well like they were even foraging until like 10 o'clock last night so like i'm presuming they a strong hive because like i was like they're still foraging at this hour it's incredible it's so amazing um but yeah, super cool, super cool, and as always, remember like when you're eating avocados um berries, blackberries, uh all those sorts of things um, coffee, uh it's just amazing, like to think that the bee is pollinating, and um it's amazing, it's so amazing. <laughs> I hope my I, like I'm just so enthusiastic about it like I'm just like I need everybody needs to know how amazing this is you know and, and the bee the beehive is regarded as very um sacred and you know has such healing properties um you know between the pollen to the honey to the propolis which they collect from the trees sap but like even like actually I wanted to mention something because I see sometimes online um people like on about bee pollen and using it as a food source but like it's actually not fair like how it's um, well what I've been like learning about is that they they put like a pollen trap and it takes the pollen off the legs of the bee which is like it makes me feel sad because I'm like how many kilometers does the bee go to forage to get the pollen food food source and then it's just taken off them for human consumption like, I'm just like, no, this is not fair. And, like, people need to know that, they like, e- eating pollen or buying pollen, like, you know, there's a story behind everything, you know. And sometimes bees are treated as livestock, so it's so important to know this. Um, like, because at least with the honey, they're producing such a mass amount that, you know, you can take an amount that won't, um, like, damage the colony. But you have to be careful as well, you know. <laughs> So that's it on the bee front. The growing is going great. Uh with these long sunny days, uh the tunnel is just flourishing. Um, the courgette leaves are just enormous. The rhubarb leaves are enormous. The roots I've been taking this week have been just delicious. I've been boiling them and making them in salads and oh, just divine. Um, and broccoli as well has been coming up so just so many lovely vegetables coming out of the ground um on the book front um I called to Ballymaloe last week if you know of it uh, the cookery school Ballymaloe house Ballymaloe garden so um I'm really in line with their ethos as well you know they do all the organic stuff which is amazing and their produce is just gorgeous so my book now is in stock at their store um, so Ballymalew shop and um, the lady was so kind and she put it on the counter uh, next to the eggs and um, the books are actually signed as well and, and she was really lovely and she put like signed by the author stickers on them so that's really nice um, but if you are still looking for a book um, they are available in the local areas at the moment in certain shops and as well, I still have them online, and I can do, uh, yeah, I can deliver to mostly everywhere, maybe not Antarctica, uh, but, um, if you are looking for a book, um, you can order on my website, and, uh, or if you want to contact me or anything about it, um, I'd be happy to chat, and as usual, I just want to say a thank you to, uh, everybody who's listening tuning in um, is enjoying learning about our beautiful planet and the environment and just um, I guess all of us working together like as communities wherever you are and being on the same wavelength of like what we need to do to regenerate the earth Um, you know regarding wild zones pollinators growing and just a, a deep appreciation for nature because you know we're not separate from it. We are it and we can't survive without it. Um, which is what man has thought I think for quite many decades. Uh, but that's not, the, uh, that's not the reality. So thank you for tuning in and being open to listening to all of this and uh, I appreciate your support. Thank you to the patrons who are contributing and allowing me to pay my bills and uh, buy my seeds and feed my hens and all of it like that's really helping me as well and of course the bees as well like um, being able to take up that new activity Um all thanks to you guys i appreciate it so much and um, if you are um getting something from my message it would be really great if you could share it the episode or tell a friend or um if you can contribute it would be an amazing way to give back and help me to continue on this journey and grow it further um so guys have an amazing day have a beautiful weekend enjoy the sunshine weather it's an amazing time to be alive and exploring and swimming in the ocean and all of it so um yeah enjoy guys and i'll see you for our next session ciao